a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Dun, 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 dun. It's British, it's television. This is be our new theme song? Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. We need a theme song. I can't sing. If people would pay me money not to hear me singing, but if you can sing, all I'd right. love to have a theme song. Go record a theme song for us. Okay. So this is uh, British TV podcast show number 23. Hello, I'm Ryan in Seattle. Chrissy in Seattle. How's your week been? It's been busy. Busy week. Lots of phone calls, working nights, but not tonight. Tonight I can go home, I can have a frozen pizza and and chill and watch British television. Oh, super. I'll be editing this podcast. That's my night. Have you seen Desperate Romantics? I have not. Oh, you want to see Desperate Romantics. In fact, I'm going to assign that as a job for you to do <laughs> because it's got Aiden Turner in it Okay, from Being Human. Oh, yeah, with the care extensions. And Rafe Sideburns. Oh, I like Rafe. He's Timothy's son. Mm-hmm. So I like him a lot. He expresses joy on camera and you just find yourself smiling right back at him on television because he's just, that's my favorite emotion to watch him convey. He's, he's one of the best. And you like Casanova, right? The Russell T. Yes. Davies one. It's very much in that style. It's not your father's BBC costume drama. Alrighty. So watch Desperate Romantics and we'll come back later and talk about it because uh, I think we will both enjoy it quite a bit. Okay. So when I say to you, love never dies, what do you think? Does that sound like a Bond movie or something? Yes. Do you know what it is? That or a romance it, novel? No. I, I just heard this on NPR this week. It is the apparently highly anticipated, though I first time I heard about it was this week, sequel to Phantom of the Opera. And it opened this week in the West End. Andrew Lloyd Webber has gone back to that hmm. pool again and dipped his trowel in there and done another uh, Phantom of the Opera. It takes place on Coney Island. Well, and why shouldn't it? And who's the star? Do we know? Someone I hadn't heard of before. Uh, the only reason I even bring this up at all is because, of course, the original Phantom, the original original Phantom back in 1986 was Michael Crawford, mm-hmm. well known to TV audiences as Frank Spencer from the 1970s sitcom Some Others Do Have Him. Right, who'd secretly gone away. He had done a lot of musicals before. He had played the lead in Barnum for four years. That's right. He was Barnum before Jim Dale. And he was in a really good early 70s one called Billy that I have the soundtrack for with young Elaine Page and Diana. I think Diana Quick was in it too. So I could be wrong there, but Elaine Page definitely was in it. He did have a background in musicals, but he could could sort of put over a tune, but he didn't have the greatest voice. But he went and got through force of will and a lot of lessons and practice really got himself some pipes it's a big step because if you'd asked anybody in the 1970s you know do you think michael crawford will be a sexy love interest famous singer they would have laughed you out of the room because frank spencer was incredibly camp in fact they married him off in the series so the people wouldn't think the character was gay because he was so camp and the other thing interesting about that show is that, see, I first saw that in Australia, where in the early 80s, it was still really popular and being repeated a lot. I hadn't seen it on American television, if it ever showed here, but I remember the DVDs of it came out, and it was being marketed on the DVD cover as, if you like Mr. Bean, watch Frank Spencer and some others Oh, do yes, because it's very physical. In fact, yeah. it was mm-hmm. he was there... BBC's answer to Jackie Chan, because he did all his own stunts. And every week he'd be on roller skates and going through the streets and hanging off uh, 
cars off the edge of cliffs and things yeah. like that. I mean, things that health and safety would never let them do now. I mean, he was amazing. He was a really physical guy, and he was fearless when it came to doing the stunts. And also good friends with John Lennon. Yeah, I, I know a bit about him. Love never dies, so he's not in this. No, no, no. He's way too old to be the Phantom. Yes. So anyway, that opened this week and to uh, somewhat mixed reviews. Because, boy, those Phantom of the Opera fans are really serious. You think Doctor Who fans are serious? Trust me. Phantom of the Opera fans, deadly serious. And I made a mistake last week. I told everybody to tune in last uh, Sunday on PBS and watch Sharp's Challenge. You probably found there was a pledge drive or something else on there. Or worse, forced to watch the Oscars. So I was wrong because I was misled by Masterpiece Classics when they said next time. And I assumed, of course, they meant next week. No, they meant uh, March 28th is when Sharp's Challenge will be on. It's all uh, reruns and pledge drives until then. So sorry to anybody who was really looking forward to seeing that. So this week's episode, we have news, what's on British TV this week, what's running in, in the United States, DVD releases, and just in time for St. Patrick's Day, a look at some Irish television productions and actress Dervla Kerwin. So news, starting April 1st, and this is not an April Fool's joke, the cost of a color television license in Britain will be £145.50, pence, and a black and white license will be £49. That's 218 American dollars a year for the color license. The increase to be brought into effect by an order laid in the House of Commons this week follows the six-year BBC funding settlement, which began in April 2007. The license fee increase is set at 3% for the first two years of the settlement and 2% in years 3, 4, and 5. This is year 4. Any increase of up to 2% in year 6 will be set near the time. So it'll be more expensive to be able to watch TV. And these are mandatory license fees. This is what pays mm. for the BBC. I wish my condo association fees only went up 2 or 3% a year. Yeah, but still, wow, $218. That's, uh, that's a bit of change. They have plans now where you can, you can pay by the year, you can pay by the month, you can pay weekly. I expect, though, if you go on a two-weeks vacation, you still have to pay for those two weeks. Yes. Because what if your house sitter turned on the telly? Yeah, I can see it. Correct. Here's some bit of news you'll be happy to hear. Benidorm yep. is to return for a fourth series next year, including a possible live episode. Show creator Darren Litton has confirmed. The writer has also said that a one-off special will air on ITV this year before next year's run, like they did last year. Writing on his Twitter page, Litton revealed, I'm writing a one-off special for 2010 and a fourth series for 2011. Also, planning a live show for 2011. I wonder if he'll ever make an appearance in his own show, because he's done plenty of acting on other programs. Like what? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that the second I said it. I saw him in something just the other day. It was in the credits. Now we'll never know. I think it was Spaced, actually. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Okay. So he's he's done bits here and there, and he's sort of of the generation of Simon Pegg, Jessica Hines, that age. I think it's um, safe to say that everybody was in Spaced. Yeah. It does seem that everybody's credits has that in there. More Benidorm, but ITV is ditching the Carolyn Quentin crime drama Blue Murder after five seasons. The former Men Behaving Badly and Life Begins actress who played single mum and DCI Janine Lewis in the ITV1 drama confirmed the series would not be returning. It's been axed, which is a big disappointment, she said. Well, too bad. She'll get something else. Oh, gosh, yes. She's always working. And BBC Worldwide has paid £17 million to acquire the outstanding 40% of DVD distributor to entertain its highly profitable producer of BBC DVDs, including Doctor Who and Top Gear. 
BBC Worldwide, which owned the Two Entertain operation as a joint venture with Woolworths, has been in negotiations with the retailer's administrators to take control of the whole business since the chain went into bankruptcy in late 2008. Now the sales of all those lovely DVDs will go right back to the BBC. What's on TV for the week of March 10th to the 16th? Thursday, Bellamy's People continues on BBC Two. Season three of Secret Diary of a Call Girl continues, and actually should that should be wraps up, I would think, okay. on IVTV2 at 10 p.m. Also, Skins is on E4 at 10 o'clock Thursday. Alan Carr, Chatty Man, is on Channel 4 with guests Lindsay Lohan, comedian Frankie Boyle, Ice Dancers, Torval and Dean, and pop star Mary J. Blige. Eddie Izzard, Marathon Man, continues on BBC Three. Friday, Graham Norton hosts Eurovision, Your Country Needs You, a competition show to determine who will represent Britain in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, and we will definitely do a show about Eurovision yeah. when the time comes. The topical news quiz, The Bubble, continues on BBC Two. Friday night with Jonathan Ross on BBC One includes guests Charlotte Church, James Corden, the cast of Outnumbered, Olympian Amy Williams, and Cheryl Cole performs Parachute. That must be a song? Yes, it is a song. <laughs> All right. Saturday, Harry Hills TV Burp is on ITV One. Sunday, Lark Rise to Candleford continues on BBC One. And on ITV One, Wild at Heart continues. Monday, there's a new Bang Goes the Theory, the entertaining and informative magazine series about science with wacky experiments. I enjoy that show. And the documentary series The Lakes continues on ITV1, as well as Mary's Single Other, which is actually getting beaten in the ratings by reruns of new tricks. Ah. That's why the BBC keeps showing them over and over again, because they still pull in the ratings, even though people have seen them. Tuesday, Law & Order UK is on ITV1. And Shameless continues on Channel 4. On BBC America this week, Friday, it's Chat Show Night with Friday Night with Jonathan Ross and The Graham Norton Show. Also showing The Making of Me, John Barrowman. Have you seen that? Yes. I think you talked about it, didn't you? Way back when? Don't know. Oh, well. But I saw it. Saturday, the first season of the remake of Survivors continues. Monday, it's Top Gear. And Wednesday, Channel 4's high school comedy, The Inbetweeners. The independent film channel has The IT Crowd weeknights. Shameless is Friday on the Sundance Channel. The third season of Billy Piper's Secret Diary of a Call Girl is Mondays on Showtime. On Adult Swim on Friday night, starting at midnight is a double shot of The Mighty Boosh, followed by The Office, and then Look Around You. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is at 5 a.m. Saturday morning. DVD releases The Deal in Pasco Season 1. This is uh, starring Warren Clark and Colin Buchanan. My review is uh, Three Separate Detective Mysteries starring Warren Clark as Annoying Working Class Detective Deal. It's spelled D-A-L-Z-I-E-L, but it's pronounced D-L along with his new partner, the Oxford-educated Pasco, get involved in movie-length cases, each with its own milieu. The first, a clubbable woman, is based at a rugby association that Deal is a member of, and it involves murder, a scandal, and secrets. Pasco's completely out of his depths here. But the shoe's on the other foot in the second story, an advancement of learning, set in Oxford and involving Pasco's fiance, where a body is discovered under a 20-year-old statue and more skeletons are uncloseted in the process. Tell me about this seat of learning. 
I'm Kutram College, and now part of the new University of Mid-Yorkshire. Chock-a-block with intellectuals? Very likely. If the buggers get clever, pretend you didn't hear, and pretend you can't understand. Nothing's funny if it's repeated and explained. Noted. Old Kutram? It's where your doxy teaches, isn't it? Yeah. Any lectures in the social sciences department. But where am I going to sleep? The final story, an autumn shroud has D.L. end up by accident at the stately home of a recent widow where more mysterious activities rapidly turn up. Boy, I was glad Jonathan Ross didn't ring, read that line there. Yes. <laughs> I like D.L. Pasco because I love Warren Clark. We're going to do a show on Warren Clark sometime. When you need working class hero guy, he's mm-hmm. the man to call. Kind of a job of the hut countenance sort of, I've always thought. A gruff exterior yes. sort of guy, but, you know, heart of gold. And these are worth uh, checking out on DVD now. So our feature this week is about Irish television and Dervla Kerwin. Defining Ireland here as Northern Ireland, which, as we all know, is a part of Great Britain. England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland. Four countries, right? For years now, the BBC in Northern Ireland has been a production centre for programmes that are seen all over Britain and exported around the world. The BBC has mandated that shows be produced in its regional centres outside London, such as Scotland, Manchester, Cardiff in Wales, and in Northern Ireland. Sometimes in the past, this was just a token production credit to satisfy the quota. But these days, the output of shows actually produced to these facilities for the BB is greater than those still made in London. Irish dramas encompass a wide range of genres, from bucolic family dramas such as Belly Kiss Angel and Rough Diamond, to urban dramas such as Eureka Street and The Inevitable Stories, based around the various religious factions that make up Northern Ireland. The Rough Diamond was a 2007 Irish-based family drama about a family of horse trainers, including Aidan, a horse whisperer who meets the son he never knew he had, and he also has the touch, and their rivalry with a rich stable up the road. (laughs) Stood up for a horse. Well, I've reached rock bottom. Dina! I cooked, I brought wine... But you prefer a pot noodle in a gorse bush with a flea-bitten knack. Well, we had to say our farewells. Well, what about me? The last night in the old house, he says. Don't know if I can face it alone, he says. All those memories. What a load of... But if I'd known you were coming... Monday morning, as you were leaving. Come on, he said. I'm going into the wild world tomorrow, probably never to return. The six weeks was up anyhow. What six weeks? It's what they all say. Who all? I think the girls in this county don't kiss and tell. On the upside, you cold steak and chips for breakfast. But don't be looking for the Pinot Noir. It was something for everyone if you like the stuff. Hunky guys, romance, and horses, horses, horses. You like horses, don't you? No. No. Are you sure you're a girl? Yeah, horses will put me in the hospital. I am deathly allergic to them. It's a shame I could have had free horse riding lessons as a girl, but no, I can't get near them. Allergic to horses, really? Big time. Wow. I, I haven't heard of that. I might stop breathing if I get near a horse. So. Well, okay. You don't want to do that. Nope. But Ireland looked gorgeous in rough diamond. 
An example of the more serious dramas would be Murphy's Law, which featured another well-known Irish actor, James Nesbitt, Mr. Jekyll himself, mm-hmm. who stars as an undercover Met detective who brings his peculiar Irish sensibility to what are ostensibly serious assignments. Don't. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what you've done. I don't want to know your sad story. I don't want to tell you mine. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want us to bond. I just want to be left alone. You may feel the need to protest your innocence. I don't want to know. I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night thinking about what you might or might not have done. I don't want you to lose sleep over me. Let's just presume we're both innocent, then we'll both sleep like babies. Keep ourselves to ourselves, keep your hands off my gear, and we'll get on fine. Ah, buggers. Thomas Murphy, international terrorist. Not. Richard Mooney. Yeah, I know. Electric Bill. How come the devil gets all the best names? So, where do you hide the money? Is your woman dead yet? I heard you had a dodgy break light, some criminal mastermind you are. I'm not Electric Bill. Whoa! I can take these wires off. <laughs> Call Petrocelli! This man is innocent! One week he might be put in jail to get a suspected serial killer to confess, the next week he'll be bodyguarding a famous snooker player, and the next infiltrating a gang. The trouble is, he ends up in the papers nearly every week, which you think would kind of limit his effectiveness as a deep cover officer. But, you know, it's TV, so I guess nobody notices. <laughs> so if James Nesbitt is one of the best-known Irish actors on British TV right now, I think Dervla Kerwin is the quintessential Irish actress. She's able to play it straight with her Irish accent or even put on a very realistic British accent when need be. I first noticed her in the sitcom Goodnight Sweetheart, where she played Phoebe, an East End barmaid during World War II, who gets involved with Gary Sparrow, played by Nicholas Lindhurst. Fans might remember him from Butterflies and... Only Fools and Horses. Only Fools and Horses. So this was his new vehicle in the, in the 1990s. So unbeknownst to Phoebe, Gary has a secret. He's from the future. Yes, Goodnight Sweetheart featured a protagonist from the present day, well, the 1990s, which is when the series was being made, who could travel back to war-torn London at will and, despite being married, begins carrying on with Phoebe despite the many anachronisms he constantly comes up with. It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. That's nice. Did you learn that in America? Hey? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, um, I wrote it. Have you written any others? Uh, yeah, one or two. Um... And now the end is near. I must face the final curtain. Hey, 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 hey! None of them defeatist songs in my pub, if you don't mind. I'll leave him alone, Dad. Hey? He's talented. You could be on the wireless. <laughs> and now, live from the Café de Paris, the tinkling tunes of... What's your name? Oh, Gary. Gary Sparrow. Phoebe Bamford. Hi. So what do you do for a living? Television repairman. Oh. <laughs> Times must be hard for you, then. Why's that? Because there hasn't been any television since the day war broke out, has there? 
Dad was really browned off. He was hoping to follow the war on it. Oh. Well, obviously, during hostilities, I've switched to other things, you know, like uh, radar. What's that when it's at home? Well, it's a radio system used for tracking enemy... Forget I spoke. Oi! Oi, Phoebe, he's not the only customer and you're a married woman. We're only chatting. Yeah, we'll make sure that's all you do. I forgot that Phoebe was married when this series began. Her husband was serving overseas in the Army. Now, I've gotten a lot of grief over the years for criticizing the series for making light of bigamy, which is ultimately what happens when Gary marries Phoebe later on after her husband dies, but he's still married in the present. Well, what can I say? I don't find bigamy funny. Well, I'll put a link to my review that I wrote back in 1995, and you can judge for yourself, but hey, it's just my opinion. Now, did that show change tones a lot? For... It changed actresses quite a bit, because the woman who played Phoebe and the mm -hmm. woman who played Yvonne, his wife, in the 1990s, both got recast in the course of the series, and they ended up with completely different actresses. Well, I, I thought that I saw an episode of it early on, and it had a real different feel to it from the last episode, which I had also saw. Well, they started using the actual premise of having time travel mm -hmm. near the end of the series and the mechanics that would actually exist there. And the series did actually wrap up with a final episode that kind of explained, well, not explained, but had a reason for why things had happened. Right. Well, I, I just see more sitcom near the end and more of a drama no, I watched the first episode again, kind of and, and it oh. was very sitcom-y. Okay. You know, the audience is kind of chuckling away at the gags. So Dervil's next part was, coincidentally, another barmaid, this time strong-willed Assumpta Fitzgerald, Irish accent and all, in the hit series Bally Kiss Angel, about a soft-spoken English Catholic priest who is assigned to a small town in Ireland. Father Clifford, played by Stephen Tompkinson, thought he'd been transported to the Twilight Zone after having grown up in Manchester because of all the oddball characters who lived in Ballet Kiss Angel. The series is very much in the fish-out-of-water genre, similar to Northern Exposure, where a New York doctor was transplanted to a small Alaskan town. Here, give your head a rub. Thanks. This is where the 40 Shades of Green comes from. Sorry? It's a song. Forty Shades of Grey would be more accurate, but then there's the image to consider. Are you staying in town? I live there. Well, I will be. I'm starting a new job. Is that so? That's St. Joseph's. I'm the new priest. <laughs> what? Nothing. You'll be very welcome, I'm sure. One thing this country needs is priests from England. We have enough of yours. We have enough of ours. I'm Peter Clifford. Son of Fitzgerald. Sorry? Fitzgerald. No, your first name. Sumter. Sumter? Yeah. I've never heard that before. That's a beautiful name. It's just a name. Oh, I'll bet it isn't. That's to do with the assumption, isn't it? You know, the assumption... Of the Blessed Virgin, yeah. Big deal. That's beautiful. Mother of God, a hippie priest. Among the various subplots that developed as Ballet Kiss Angel went on was the seeming attraction between Assumpta and Father Clifford, a big no-no for faithful Catholic priests. In real life, Dervla and Stephen had become a couple, so their on-screen chemistry was not faked at all. In the end, the characters left the series before anything too controversial could happen between them. This was a family show, after all. 
And unfortunately, the relationship between the actors didn't last either. Did you ever see Bellicus Angel? No. Oh, really? Yeah, it was very big on PBS for a while. Nope, I had site, filming sites pointed out to me when I took a van tour of Ireland, but no, I haven't seen it. Dervla as Assumpta also made appearances on Father Ted and the Vicar of Dibley. So in 1997, she played the ferret, an unscrupulous Fleet Street journalist in Mr. White Goes to Westminster, a thinly disguised dramatization of former BBC correspondent Martin Bell's election to government over a corrupt Tory minister. Bill Patterson was the candidate while the ferret attempted to smear him because of a bill on press regulation he proposed. Now, how much is satire and how much is reality was kind of left to the viewer, but it was an interesting romp. In 1999, she was in Eureka Street, produced by BBC Northern Ireland, about a group of working-class friends trying to survive in Belfast just before the historic Good Friday Accord was signed. The deep hatreds between the Protestants and Catholics was highlighted, particularly by a Catholic man whose friends and bigoted co-workers were unaware of his religion. But, like the title suggests, it's also about getting rich quick, in this case, a fat, unpopular slob, played by Mark Benton, who cleans himself up, declares himself a businessman, and inadvertently keeps making a fortune just by being in the right place at the right time, and even gets a rich American girlfriend, played by Elizabeth Rome. I thought at the time one had to give the BBC credit for making dramas like Eureka Street, which stirred the pot and showed that not everything was sweetness and lice in Ireland. And also that year, Dervla starred in The Dark Room, a two-part BBC drama, as an amnesiac accident victim who may have committed a double murder. Her manipulative father, played by Paul Freeman, you might remember him as Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark, tries to pull strings, but the police are hot on the trail, and she is the chief suspect. So she was getting a really good assortment of parts mm -hmm. at this point. In 2000, she appeared in two seasons of Hearts and Bones alongside Amanda Holden in the BBC drama about three couples and their lives and loves. I thought it was a bit derivative of ITV's Cold Feet, which was very popular at the time. But the series had plenty of angst about who would end up with whom to keep viewers interested. In 2004, she appeared in 55 Degrees North, a drama set in Newcastle, although it was retitled Night Detective for American Consumption. The series followed a black police detective who moves up to Newcastle with his father and son and gets a chilly reception at first. His only ally was the Crown Attorney, played by Dervla, but as the series progresses, he slowly begins to win over a few of the uniformed policemen. Thank you. Liam Connor won't be testifying. Well, I get the court to issue a summons. He's dead. I jumped over a possible suicide about an hour ago. They got him. Well, we don't know if he jumped or if he was pushed. Well, you don't believe it was suicide. But we may never be able to prove it. Unless we find Nazir Ahmed, we'll have to abandon. I'll ask for a warrant. Ahmed hasn't turned up. Ah, he was summonsed. He's a no-show. The Holden Gary case will collapse without him. We need to find him immediately. If he hears about Liam Connor, we'll never find him. I'm just thinking about his next of kin. We'll be insensitive to release his name before you notify them. That will be insensitive. Mm. I probably won't be able to notify them until Ahmed testifies. Yeah. Well, we need to find him. In 2007, she was in True Dare Kiss. And in 2008, she was in the Doctor Who Christmas special, The Next Doctor, playing the evil Mercy Hardigan, who had Severman as allies. She was kind of the female Fagin, I guess. Yeah. 
she had her orphans all mm-hmm. working in the workhouse for her, and she had a red dress on there, and she was evil. But I thought she carried the part very well. This year, Dervla has been in the BBC series Material Girl, which also featured Being Human's Leona Critchlow. And coming later this spring, she will appear in a four-part BBC drama Silence, playing the role of a warm-hearted aunt of a young deaf girl who witnessed a murder. And she's also married to Rupert Penry Jones, by the way. He was just in the 39 Steps mm-hmm. and formerly of Spooks, another actress that we like keeping our eyes on. I think she is really excellent in all the different parts she can do. Yeah, I didn't know much about her other than the red dress, so I'm glad you caught me up there. For St. Patrick's Day, you have a recipe for us, don't you? I do. I don't have it to read out, though, well, but it'll it be on the website. Irish oatcake scones, and I made it up, so I hope you like it. It's a big, popular one at work. What you can do is mix the dry ingredients with the butter and the Crisco and let it sit, and then the next morning just add the water and make it and bake it up and take it to work nice and warm. So people really like those. Or gobble them up yourself. Now, what makes it Irish? Oats, I guess. Irish oats. Okay. It's best if you use the real old-fashioned oats rather than quick or minute oats. It has a better texture and a better flavor. So Yes. And speaking as someone who bakes himself, don't use processed foods. Use good ingredients. They'll come out much better. So we'll put that recipe on there. You guys can try it out yourselves. Got anything else for this week? No, nothing else this week. I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed by work this week. It's nice to have a night off, here, though, to stop by here and then... Home for the kitty cats. Home for the cats. Yes. Okay, well, we'll be back next week with a yet another show. So, meanwhile, you should go to our website, which is www.britishtvpodcast.com, and you can find links to news articles, show notes, including Chrissy's recipe, what's on TV this week, an archive of old shows, and little potted biographies all about us. And you're going to put some more stuff on your YouTube channel, aren't you? Will do. Yep. We'll some uh, more of the days like these episodes because I've been got, getting a lot of people who liked the ones I posted. Are they masochists? Yes, exactly. And they want more. So We want to see more of this bad program, which was unfunny and a horrible insult to that 70s show. And you're going to give it to them, huh? Oh, I don't know. There's something. I, I personally am somebody who loves to compare and contrast, at least in small doses. So it is kind of fun to watch a chunk of each episode because all the 70s show episodes are up there, too. And you can kind of see where they change references and this and that. It's sort of fun. Hey, I wonder if there's anyone taken an episode of Coupling and the American remake and to put it side by side and just have them running at the same time. Hmm. There's a project for somebody, for somebody out there. You do it. I'll put a link to it. I watched the first episode, and they they cut a few scenes, of course, because the BBC version was a half hour long. Yes. And also in the first or second episode, I remember in the British version, they had a reveal that one of the characters had a picture of Angus Deaton in her bedside table, and I was curious who they were going to choose to be his counterpart, and that scene was missing, so he didn't get a an American counterpart like he did for The Cosby Show, where his role in One Foot in the Grave was um well not the cosby show but it was the second it was cosby cosby was based loosely on one foot very loosely i think they kind of threw the format out after the first couple of weeks and i guess angus deaton's american counterpart in that show was madeline Kahn because she played the next door neighbor oh was she really yeah oh gosh 
Ryan was just lost in, in sad admiration for Madeline Kahn there. Oh, the yeah. She, she was a babe in her days. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Okay, well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.